Hey all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm joined by Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. And today we're going to be going over some EVE Online news, some really cool stuff they're doing over there. Division's getting real big. Uh, we have some new Epic versus Apple details, craziness going on with that trial. Uh, but first, Jonathan, we have the question of the week for you. My question is, if you were to choose an animal, fam animal familiar, so think of like Harry Potter, how he has a stag, or just your common witch that's like, oh yeah, this is my black cat. What would be your animal familiar? Hmm. So I was thinking about that. Like if it would really depend if I'm living in the current world in my regular life, or if this was like in a mythical world, like I was some, you know, wow character or something like that. Right. Yeah. But if I was in the mythical world, I would either want a black panther, nice. which would be, yeah, it depends on how you're living, what you're doing, but they're stealth. And I think, you know, a little bit like Lion Cat from Saga, because I like Saga. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they, they could fight with you and hide and sneak up on your, your enemies and stuff like that. Super dope. Or a dragon, because they straight up can just fly. Straight up dragon. They can kill. Yeah, they, <laughs> they just, I mean, Game of Thrones style, they can do everything except for be stealthy. Yeah. Um, but in the real world, I'm going full on monkey. I want Abu really? on my shoulder. If day, think day-to-day -day life living in America today, like most animals wouldn't be very helpful. I mean, a, a bird, right, you know, right. can get a sight ahead of you, but they can't quite communicate. Maybe, maybe with a, with a familiar, they can communicate uh, telepathically or emotionally, but um, I'm thinking a monkey, you know, you got to change the baby. Hey, go grab me a diaper or you're at the grocery store and you're trying to get some stuff. Hey, I still need peanut butter. Go down that aisle. <laughs> give me the peanut butter. Like, it'd just be a little gopher to go grab things for you. Helping hand, give me the measuring tape or I don't know. Something about kind monkeys of kind of creep me out. Like they're cool, they're neat, but like real monkeys, like when I see a real monkey like in person, kind of like, and mm -hmm. you guys are a little bit like uncanny valley, like you're a little too close to humanity. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of that. Like I yeah, want there to be clear lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, dragon. Okay, well, you gotta narrow that down, man. What kind of dragon are you talking about? Like from fiction. Mm, I would I would go with Game of Thrones. I don't care for the dragons that are smart that can communicate. And I feel like okay. you you have to you can't have all features of of everything you want. So you can't have a brilliant doctor scientist that's also a vicious ferocious beast yeah. that you know can also travel through time and fly. Like it's too many things. You gotta if it's got great physical and you know uh, what else like uh, acrobatic abilities or you know. And it can't also have great intellect. Like, that's just too much. So, yeah, just, you know, Drogo, Danny's uh, Easy enough. dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dragon-wise, I mean, I was, I was wondering if we're going to go to the Dragonheart one, Sean Connery. Um, oh, that'd be, that'd be totally. See, that's, that's hard. That's, yeah. He's such a good, you don't, you don't want to see him die, but he's also a giant monstrous beast that can't live in society, but he has the intellect of a, you know, wise old man that would be a part of society, but he has to live in isolation to not be hunted by you know, a mob with pitchforks. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be different. And, but if you're living in a world where everybody has these or most people have them, then maybe that wouldn't be such a odd thing because these creatures would be commonplace. So yeah, I guess that's, that's a good point. If it, if it's a regular world in society where you're not in, in war with people all the time, so you don't need a super ferocious beast all the time, but, uh, you know, but people wouldn't be freaked out by you having a dragon by your side. Maybe go with a smart dragon like Dragonheart. That'd be cool. That movie's really good. It's been a bit since I've yeah. watched it, but that movie's like the way they're like playing, like the like the fake uh, dragon slaying they do. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. Dang. And I know the CGI probably doesn't hold up as well as we'd like it's nowadays, not bad. but 
It's not too bad. Yeah. I, I would love and, and remakes usually don't pan out too great, but I would love to see them try to make to remake this if they give it the, the time, attention and money that it requires to make a good movie. All right. We're going on a tangent, John. I mean, I still have my pa- animal to talk about, but <laughs> now you got to cast that dragon because Sean Connery uh, sadly is no longer with us. So mm. I'm going to throw out, I guess, Benedict Cumberbatch as the new dragon. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he could. He could do it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I can't. I can't think of somebody that really commands that, that you yeah. know, that that deep dominant voice that he does. Maybe Jeremy Irons could, like Scar. Yeah. You know, he might be able to. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, and you could you could pick out somebody new. I mean, this would be yeah. a great great chance to build a career, um, especially if it's not going to be a one time movie. If this is going to turn into a, a franchise, and uh, those sequels for excited. Dragonheart were pretty rough. They had like the the eldest child oh. from Malcolm in the Middle was in the sequel. I didn't know there was sequels. That's there's so like bad. Jonathan. There's like five oh, additional god. movies. Oh my god! They straight up went okay. Leprechaun with that franchise. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Dragonheart was... in Manhattan, man. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Okay, oh, it's so never bad. Mind. The direct sequel, the it. one that had like the second most funding, had the oldest son from Malcolm in the Middle. That tells you the standards they had there. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Oh, man, no Dennis Quaid involved. All right, so my <laughs> animal familiar is yes. in Game of Thrones, they have the um, ravens that deliver messages, right? Well, in the books, they talk about the white ravens, and they are like prominent ravens, and they actually attack and kill the other ravens often. So that's mm-hmm. the one I want. So I want one that's like a deliver message, like deliver messages for me. So it's like stealth tweets or like, hey, go get me like a pizza. But I want the white raven who's like, stronger and more prominent and so if like somebody's talking like if i'm in like a flame war with somebody else and they're like talking shit i'm like you know what take becky's raven out i don't want that raven around no more and my raven will go do it it'll just take that out so it's like predator bird it's like not only is it a messenger but it's also like an assassin for other messengers and they just they talk about how like they'll get into the like oh white raven came in oh man it's something important because they only trust that with a white raven because they can kill the other ravens if they need to so that's that's my pick so is that living in this world or if you were to live in like a Game of Thrones world? I'm assuming we're combining them. Yeah, we'd have to because like, yeah, we have ravens in this world, but I don't know if we have white ones and they and, definitely and are we not have, that advanced. We have tweets. So in text, I don't think you need to send message by raven. Take Becky's phone, damn it. <laughs> I, want, hey. I want that phone. <laughs> My raven yeah. will find a way. <laughs> it'll take out, it'll, it'll snatch phones out of other people's hands. So I literally took the tweets from you. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet, bitch. Like <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, next week, there will not be any podcasts because we have a wedding that essentially all of us are going to. So there's not going to be anybody to record. We will have a level up coming out on Friday next week uh, where we're talking about Alex from the Cephalopod applica- app. Saint application. Who says application? Old people. <laughs> right? <laughs> from the phones. Uh, and then uh, we also have a Resident Evil Village review coming ASAP. We have two of our guys are playing it as fast as they can. Um, I'm hearing only good things so far, but as soon as they're done, we'll get them to do a review and we'll drop that out. We may drop it early since we don't have an episode coming out next week, so you may get that too. Um, I would love to do a level up out of it. We don't plan on doing a level up this week, but this month, but we may with that. Um, so those are all coming your way. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news. Eve Online players have been helping with COVID research. This is so freaking cool. So 327,000 Eve Online players 
uh, have been studying the effects of COVID-19 over the last year. Players would complete mini games where they would be able to identify uh, cell clusters. Now, heads up, guys, I'm not no scientist. So if I'm saying something wrong, <laughs> just just work with me, okay? Take, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cell clusters, that's the, that's the very cap I go right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's his techno babble. That's my, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Citizen Science, which is what it's called, uh, project is is called uh, Project Discovery, uh, and has saved scientists 330 years of research by completing 1.37 analysis ta- a million analysis tasks. So, Jonathan, are you familiar with what Citizen Science is? No, this is the first I've heard about it. Oh, it's the coolest freaking thing! I'll give you a couple examples. Well, I'll give you just I'll give you one that I I really like. Um. It's this crowdsourcing science, something that would just take mm-hmm. an amount, 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 a huge amount of years or people to do. So mm-hmm. they're mapping the ocean floor, for example. And instead of just being like, look, we got it's something that like humans have to do because we have to be able to recognize, oh, that's garbage. This is, you know, whatever. Um, so they'll say, like, here's a here's a, you know, a section of the of the of the ocean. You map it out. You tell us what you see and then you submit it. And then with a million people do that, then we all work together to do something that science couldn't do for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's basically what this is. So it's crowdsourcing. It's almost making a mini game out of good actual science. And here, yeah. this one's helping COVID. So it's above and beyond. That's just amazing. I mean, it take, I'm sure it takes a lot of infrastructure. Uh, you Instead of putting your people on solving the problem, you're putting your people on you know, building this network, taking those little samples that you put in a, you know, a, a format that the consumer or the, the gamer can uh, you know, do their task relatively simply. Um, but that's brilliant, really. You turn it into something that instead of, I've, I was going to talk about this later, but this is pretty much instead of uh, having advertisement on a website or something like that, you can use, you know, very small, you know, interactive things like this to better research and not have to, um, you know, bombard people with, with advertisement. This is a form of, payment pretty much their services uh in bettering science so i think that's freaking awesome yeah yeah and it's one of those things where people have time to volunteer or whatever and but you like to stay in the comfort of your own home and it's so simple it's like you would you like to volunteer one hour of your week to doing something like this another thing that's actually been done through eve is they're mm-hmm. they're now um exploring for exoplanets so what is really cool is they'll, they'll give you a radio like a uh, uh it's called a lumosity chart or something like that. Again, science, not great. And they see for a dip in the lighting of a star, and that says there's a planet passing by. And so they'll give these people these charts, and then you go through and you mark where you see that there's a dip in the lighting, and then you submit yours. And like 100 people will submit for the same exact chart, and then the mm-hmm. consensus tells the scientists, okay, it's right here then, because if all these people agree on it, then that means that this is the spot. And then they, that's how they could start mapping planets that are around these, you know, you know infinite stars that are out there and it's just something that takes it takes a lot of manpower and we'll talk about here in a moment too they're doing the same thing with the covid one it's also helping the ai learn because the ai the ai joins in and it does one too and it's saying well we think it's here but most of humanity says it's here so it adjusts how it learns so that it eventually can do the task itself but it's one of those things that takes humanity getting involved first you know Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so the benefit of using MMO players in these citizen science projects is they have a unique ha- habit of playing these games. So when a normal person participates in a, a citizen science project, 
they'll jump in, they'll help out, they maybe do it once or twice, but then they kind of get bored or they have other things to do. MMO players are very skilled at doing boring shit often. And mm -hmm. as a lifetime MMO player, I'll admit. So the MMO players have a habit of repeating tasks to reach a goal for later on and logging in and doing something monotonous uh, for a long time. They also receive in-game rewards for completing these projects. So the player is actually like avoiding doing something they've already done a hundred times by doing this. They'll be like, oh, look, if I'm going to get my whatever gold for the day by doing this, this COVID research, then I'll do that instead because, you know, whatever, it's just a change of pace. And that's how, they, that's how they play the games. So, Jonathan, how would you compare an MMO player to like a normal video game player? So I think um, like a, when you say normal video game player, I'm thinking like Call of Duty, mm -hmm. console gamers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and those take very limited um, attention spans, very short bursts of commitment. You don't have to, you know, lock in, hey, I'm going to be on every night for four hours at this time kind of thing. There's no, no rating involved when it comes to games like that. So, um, you know, let's just kind of come and go. So for an MMO player, you have to have a good computer setup. You got to be, you know, you can't just, you know, stream it off your TV or, or play off of a console. Right. Um, so I think mostly that, that they're dedicated to, to focus and putting attention into something like a video, you know, an, a video game. Um, and they have a, a good computer setup. So it's not like, you know, you're asking someone to do research and compare, uh, light scales on their phone. And it might be, might vary greatly between what model phone you have or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then for the so player themselves, like instead of. So, like, if you jump into a Call of Duty game or a Fortnite game, for example, you have mm -hmm. instant gratification, right? Because you're getting yeah. in there, you lose, you win, you're great. But for the MMO yeah. player, it's like that they're, it's like a job, really. It's like you're mm -hmm. waiting for that paycheck, but for the MMO players, for the moments when they can do the things they like, but they have to put mm -hmm. the time in first. And that's something yeah. that you just don't see out of, like, a Fortnite player. <laughs> you know? And there's, there's a totally different level of immersion, too. Yes. If you're an MMO player... You're more like like Ready Player One. You log in, you join a bunch of friends, you check your marketplace. You know, there's a lot going on that this is a world that you are a member of. Or EVE Online, I'm sure, is a lot like, wow. It is, yeah. You, you log in and you go to check out your, your apartment and your, your cat that's in your game or whatever. Like, you have, a, <laughs> you have a whole lot of, you know, interaction. So you live there to some extent, to some mm -hmm. portion of your time. Uh, but yeah, with other, with console players, it's just like a quick like instant gratification like you're saying you get in you play you talk some shit and you get off so yeah uh, yeah it's very different you're, you're not playing with much mmos right now but i think the same thing goes for satisfactory in a lot of ways where mm -hmm. there's a lot of thought process that goes into setup not necessarily mm -hmm. like oh it's working right away but you're sitting there like if you're like me you have okay i need 77 contractor or constructors for this and I, I need 48 assemblers for that you know you're like planning out distant stuff and then you're like okay i need to get these resources for this so there's all kinds of planning out, and, and it's just a different kind of player. And generally, we're finding that it's older players now, too, are the MMO mm -hmm. guys. Um, so this is perfect for the scientists, because they just need people that have that mentality uh, mm -hmm. instead of just going in and having like instant fun. And they're saying that this is a really good a way for newer players to jump in, because the rewards are actually substantial for new players. So it's also a good way to, little, to give yourself a little bit of a boost. Um, so that uh, Eve Online, they're going to be continuing these um, these citizen science projects again. Right now, they're using the Luma luminosity. That's a, I don't know if I said that right. Charts to to plot exoplanets. Can you think of anything else that video game players can help scientists uh, research? 
Yeah. Well, so really what this is, is a, is a data entry. Exactly that. Exactly. And yeah, you can do that with almost, almost any form of research. Every form of research is, you know, you're testing, you're comparing results and you're logging them, you know, logging these results and comparing them against others. So it, it's pretty much limitless as long as you have the brain power to format it in a way that's interactive, you know, able to be interacted with by the general public or, yeah. or basic gamer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have like a specific, you know, COVID, you know, kind of thing, but it's literally any kind of research. I don't, I can't think of a type of research that doesn't have a data entry aspect to it that could be done by other people. That's exactly my thought too. When I was sitting there thinking about like, okay, can I think of something? Mars research, Mars study, or, you know, of course all the diseases would be really nice, but it's like, yeah. to be honest with you, it's just that, a, that a massive amount of manpower can mm-hmm. be used anywhere. And yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking cell clusters here. There's cell clusters involved in all kinds of different diseases and stuff yeah. that like we're researching. Um, we, and it's hard because we don't know yeah. the science behind it. So we don't know what's the, what's the thing you're looking for. Like right. we know, okay, you're, you have to narrow down what's a cluster of cells within a certain image or something like that. We could be getting uh, satellite shots of a forest and you have to map out what's a highly, you know, higher density uh, tree growth rate in the forest or something like that. And it'd be a similar task to, you know, cell density. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, pretty much anything. Really though, uh, like you're saying, MMO players are better fit for this. I wonder if they could, because um, uh, mobile gaming and console gaming is still really big and growing. I wonder if they could retool this or maybe custom certain, customize certain research to console gamers or mobile gamers to where they have a very simple five-second task that gets them yeah. to unlock the next weapon I can or see mobile like gamers. Game. Console gamers are tricky because they're, they're kind of locked. They're like when you play console games, it's like you're locking in for a PC game. But you just have less tools at your hand. I think. I think if I were like, if I'm on my lunch break or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, sure, ten minutes, I'll like circle, at, you know, cell clusters. I think that's perfect for them. I think mobile is mm-hmm. the way to go. Yeah, and if you could break it down into it, like a, like an ad, a ten second game that you just got to com- compare these, find the, you know, find the missing, you know, object in the room kind of thing. Make them real simple. But if you make it so simple that it t- it's one tenth of the research but you get it done, you know, 10 times as often because yeah. a lot of people will do it, then you get the same results. So I don't know. I think this is fascinating though. I, I hope they continue to expand on this. This is awesome. It's so perfect. This is the kind of thing when you're like, you're young and your parents are like, ah, oh, you play too much video games. It's like, excuse me, I'm trying to yeah. save the world over here. I'm a researcher. I'm a researcher. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Where the old thing, <laughs> you know, you and I, you know, mom used to always say like, well, it's really good for you guys' hand-eye coordination. I'm like, I'm glad you grasped onto that one. <laughs> I'm glad you, you're on board with <laughs> <Right>? that. <laughs> and the fact that, I mean, we, you more than me, but like video games and, and computer technology is the wave of the future. So if you don't know that stuff, if you don't learn it young, you're getting so far left behind. Now, me and my wife have debated what, how much um, technology we want our son to be exposed to in his life. And it's like, you know, yeah, you could try to say he shouldn't play on the internet and he shouldn't have you know, a phone early and stuff like that. But really, it's like not teaching them how to speak yeah. because there's so much that technology is used for in our lives, let alone in the future. You need to make sure, you know, you can filter what they have access to, but you got to make sure they have comprehension of how to interact with technology because it's so, so critical nowadays. You kind of want to work with them when they're first starting out and teaching them how to safely search on the web and how to utilize yeah. the web instead of just falling into it. 
yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough. And there's a lot of a lot of uh, tools now to to limit access and make it safe and stuff like that too. There is. Uh, but you're right. It's it's more important to teach a kid, I think, how to do research rather than how to just browse and like you're saying, tumble around, fall into the internet. Yeah. And we live out here in California where you know a, a kid having a cell phone at six or seven is yeah, of course, that's not a big deal at all. I mean, Brooklyn had hers at like seven. Uh, Zayden. Mm-hmm. I just got a message from from David, Zayden's dad, like, hey, Zayden's battery died, so he's not texting you right now. And it's like, it's cool, you know. But Zayden's like worried, like, <laughs> I haven't texted Frank. <laughs> you know? So it's just like, you know, utilizing that tool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into our next thing here. Have you played The Division at all, Jonathan? I have not. Not okay. at all. Let me explain The Division to you, because I actually think this is a really good game for you to try out. Uh, yeah. It actually, it, it, it is sort of an MMO, but they it doesn't feel like it at all. I like Division 1 more than Division 2, but the idea is, I mean, it's a little too fitting right now, but during Black Friday one time, somebody put a disease on money and it got spread like crazy. So then there's like this big plague that basically, you know, shuts down the country and wipes out a lot of people. And this is not real life. It's all in a video game. And then um, what's cool is there's like a bunch of people that we didn't know they have like these little badges that they wear like on their watch or whatever. It's kind of like all their backpack and they start flashing orange and they're like, it's time to activate. We were hidden agents this entire time. The U.S. government's the division. They activate to reestablish society. So you're working with this like Navy SEALs, uh, Marines, Army men that have all elevated to this level of like, yeah, we're retired. But when that badge goes off, I activate and I go and help restore society. So you're with these guys and the first one I love the most because you're in like a snowy New York. It's that, you know, it's everybody's getting ready for Christmas. This is what happened on Black Friday. And so you see like Christmas decorations up and stuff's kind of falling apart. And you have to like, okay, we need to recapture the the post office. And then we're going to make that our outpost where we could set up a hospital for people that are lost and stuff. And you're just going through the streets and you're kind of reclaiming the city. Really cool game. Really great story. Because, of course, like the garbage men they start their own faction, <laughs> you know, to protect themselves and, and everything like that. So it's, it's a really great game. So did this disease uh, create some kind of monsters or something like that? Or is just so many people died that society yeah. fell into chaos? That one. Yeah, it's that. Okay. And then you find out in number two that there is like a group that's kind of like the terrorist group that let, you know, started this whole proce- process. And, mm. um, and that, I, I didn't care for that because they actually really leaned on the MMO on the second one. On the first one, was, you could play as a single player, and it's just a fantastic story. And then, like, friends can join in and help each other out and stuff. Um, it was the first, actually, it was the first game that I was creating video content for <laughs> back when I got the beta for the first one. So I actually really suggest it to you, and it's always, like, on sale for, like, 10 bucks on Steam. So one of these days, we'll find it for you, and we'll both play. But that world, they're working on expanding the universe now. Uh, Ubisoft says that they're working on a spinoff called The Division. What is it called? Oh, man, I totally lost it. Heartland, there it is. Uh, it's going to be a free-to-play game expected either the end of this year or the beginning of next. It's done by Red Storm Studio, and um, they, they've been working on Tom Clancy games since 97. So, I mean, these Tom Clancy games, Wildlands is my favorite one, but they are, they're always decent, at least. Uh, this Heartlands game, my guess is it's going to be a battle royale because they tried the hyperspace. Now, you played hyperspace, right? Uh, hyperscape. That's what I meant. You played it. How did you like it? I, I'm just, I don't think I'm a big fan of Battle Royales, really. Yeah. Um, it was it was cool how, I think it was like the the fans, the, the viewers can interact and, you know, choose what kind of buffs you guys get or st- and stuff like that. 
Uh, but it was the same thing where your map gets smaller and smaller and you'll have to kind of rush in. And you did have very uh, unique weapons and stuff like that you could find. But yeah. I don't know. I'm just I think I'm just not a big Battle Royale fan. Yeah, it, it's it's so popular now. And it's really hard for me to like PUBG was the one that I think I really actually liked. Mm -hmm. um, I'm playing a lot of Fortnite now just because, you know, it's, you know, Zayden plays the Fortnite. So I'm playing that one. But yeah, it's a hard genre for me to get into. Um, but Ubisoft tried with that hyperscape, which I'm realizing now in the article, I wrote hyperspace a few times, so I got to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> but the population for that game has been underwhelming. It just didn't take off. They expected it to be the next Fortnite, and that's, that's tough to do. Uh, so they're going to work with this one, which I actually think is a good idea. Are you, would you be more of a fan of a battle royale that's in a fantastical world like Fortnite or hyperscape, or would you be more of a fan of a real world like Division or maybe PUBG? Um, probably, probably in a fantasy world, really? uh, like I, I think a space-based one would be more fun, yeah. but really just the, the battle royale concept is, it's just so short lived. It's all rush in, try to find supplies and weapons and, you know, be the first one to the top of the hill kind of thing. And I just don't care for that. I like more long-term invested games. I don't want to get into an MMO like, wow, where, right. you know, you're in grinding and, and, you know, uh, raiding and stuff like that. It's just too much time consuming but uh something that you could build on like we're playing satisfactory or minecraft or something creative like that um but yeah i do think a, a space mmo would be or a space uh battle royale, battle royale would be kind of cool all right this just came to my mind Jonathan. i'm gonna pitch uh -oh. to you an awesome space battle royale uh -oh. I've, been, I've been thinking with you and kevin lately right so uh -huh. here it is the herogen have captured mm -hmm. species from across the alpha quadrant and mm -hmm. they're throwing him into a big holodeck battle royale and then that awesome. would be a reason for you to be fighting other people. And so you have Vulcans and you have uh, Federation, but the Federation can be kind of mixed, you know, of different races. But, you know, like I'm talking about Vulcan from Vulcan. And then you've mm -hmm. got Klingons and you got Romulans. And then last, and then each of them have like perks. Ooh, mm. that would be fun. Really? You don't even need the Herosian to have captured anybody. This could just be a holodeck simulation. It can, but I want the Herosians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Herosians are so much cooler than like people give them credit for. They're like, I don't know. They're, to me, they're like, the hunter version of Klingons. It's great. Yeah. Just call it uh, Battle Deck. Battle cool. Deck. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, yeah, I, I personally, I think I would like the realistic ones better. I, you know, I, I've had better experience with them in the past. So I think I'm actually more on board with this than I am for like a lot of the Fortnites and stuff like that. Uh, the games have a well-established story already. They're in a post-apocalyptic world, which, of course, is great for the Battle Royale thing, where each man's trying to survive. Uh, in the game, you already form squads a lot with your friends, so that also makes sense. With the with a name like Heartlands, you would assume it's going to be in sort of a middle America thing to where it's, you know, a lot of grass fields, which, again, is fitting with the genre. Mm -hmm. I think they should lean on Division One, though. So. A battle royale that's in the middle of New York and, and the game's much more vertical to where you're going up in buildings more. I think that'd be cool because then you're like you have to rock the shotgun. So if somebody's like in the same room as you or whatever, you're having to do the shotgun stuff. But then you're also like sniping from building to building. I think it would be really cool. Instead of yeah, instead of like can, out you, in an open field. You should be able to like repel from buildings yes. and have a have a little parachute deal. So if you need to hurry up and get out, you jump off and can parachute down. Yeah. One time use, obviously, but that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Zip line, no. like you have to make a zip line from one building to another and crash through the window. Yeah. There you go. So one thing too though, is is there much survival aspect in division? Do you have to find food and, and med kits and stuff like that? Med kits, yes, not food, no. Okay. That to me, that's a big 
I much prefer games where you have that just basic survival is is a constant challenge, and yeah. then you're fighting people on the side. If it's just a run and gun, then it's kind of underwhelming to me. I, cool. I, I think I'm buying you Division real soon, man. I'm just thinking about how much <laughs> I think you're going to like this game. Yeah, I still got Steam credit too, so I might as well pick it up sometime. I, mean, I just <laughs> don't have time to play the games that I already have. So. I <laughs> Hey, John, like, pause really. Satisfactory and all the other, and Sea of Thieves and everything else that's on the list and come play a brand new one now. I know, I've yeah. got like games yeah. on the horizon too. It's like I can't fit a new one in, but nevertheless. <laughs> sometimes right. I think of a game like, ah, this is Jalen's Alley right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're also going to be expanding into making a mobile game for Division, uh, which is what gave like PUBG Second Life. They're working on a Division movie for Netflix because of course Tom Clancy, he's real hot right now, so might as well. It'll have Jessica Chastain and Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's going to be following mm-hmm. the events of the first game. So again, a special ops group that like is in hiding that comes that activates when the world falls apart, that um, is now trying to reestablish New York as a safe place, and there's multiple factions. I remember there was like, I think they called themselves the Firefighters or something like that, but they were like mm-hmm. all fire wielders. Like they, like they would have like tanks on their back, and they'd be like flamethrowers and everything like that, and they were trying to like burn, they were, oh, that's what it was. They were hired to burn the disease stuff mm. and they became a faction. And so you have to like, when you're shooting them, you have to try to hit the tanks on the back and stuff like that. And then like the prisoners all escaped, but they created their own faction. So you have these prisoners that have all like these janky, but powerful weapons. It's pretty yeah. neat. Now I know we've seen this before in movies and stuff where there's some big, you know, like a, a zombie virus or something like that, that comes out and they try to lock down New York. Yeah. Like this is a good spot for everyone to, to hunker down and protect themselves. To me, that's backwards. Why would you try to get the world's biggest city, the most complicated thing to contain? I would move to a small suburb somewhere. You get the little podunk town that has a few acres around it before you get to... And just, you could put up a fence and it's so much easier to maintain. And then you bring in people, you know, a hundred at a time or whatever and start developing a town rather than try to protect the world's biggest city or one of, you know. Yeah. That just seems... That just seems crazy. Of course, that's probably what people that live there would still do because they value the city. Um, but that seems like the most impossible challenge. New York is incredibly hard to sustain. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if you go back to Revolutionary War, the British took over New York early in the Revolutionary War. And people forget this. They kept New York the entire time during the Revolutionary <laughs> War until they were kicked out of the country in general. But the whole time, like, New York's just like this, like, the Americans were like, we're not going to get that back until we have to actually kick them out of the rest of the country first. That's how yeah. it would be. It's just too unwieldy. And back then, New York mm-hmm. was like, not what it is today, obviously. Yeah. There were little known fat guys, very few skyscrapers in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> <laughs> well, they started with several. They all came down first. But that's the way to do it. it is you find like a rural town and then start mm-hmm. from there, spread out with the, with the buffers that you have with the fields and stuff. There was a dollop uh, I just listened to not too long ago about uh, back in, it must have been the 1800s, back when we still had horse-drawn wagons and stuff like that was the big thing. In the, in the city in New York, they had a guy who would collect manure, and he, he was the, the central hub from all, everywhere that had stables. They would constantly have manure that they, they needed to get rid of. Yeah. So he would have people go pick it up from them <laughs> and put it in this big pile, right? And then he would sell it to the farmers for their for their crops and stuff for their fertilizer. And it was a huge thing because everywhere in the city, there's there's horses, there's poop everywhere. So he gets it all gathered and he had a lot right in the middle of town, a big field, a big, you know, dirt lot where this pile would would accumulate. Uh, but it stunk so bad, especially in the summer. So people started protesting it. And he's like, Hey, I'm I'm doing you guys a service. We right? gotta get the poop out of the stables. It's gotta go somewhere. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, but you can't have it in the middle city. You need to you need to truck it all out of town to the country or something like that. And, and so it was this whole big protest. And it is just funny. You don't think you're like if one thing like that, if there's not a person to collect the poop from the horses, yeah. then your society, the way it works, is going to collapse pretty much. So it's just it's crazy. It's such a big city, how complex everything's got to be. I've got to listen to like the last year of dollops, man. I'm so far. Because oh, yeah. I'm binging all I, I like to binge podcast. Right. So I'm binging all mm-hmm. of. Of course, and I like to listen to some of them from our network, but um, I'm doing all the My Favorite Murders right now. Then I was going to go Small Bins mm-hmm. next. But there's, mm-hmm. but in the meantime, there's like 50 new dollops I got to listen to. Yeah. And every so often, I'll, <laughs> like when I'm streaming, because I need something that I already know, so I don't have to focus on it. I'll put on, mm-hmm. I have a My Favorite episodes in a playlist on Spotify. So mm-hmm. I'll put those on the side and it's like the Mitzbeat. Have you listened to the Pie episode where they go over the history of Mitzbeat Pie? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's it's wackadoo, man. I mean, how are we still alive as a as a species? It's unreal. And then yeah. Moving Day is one of my favorite episodes too, where everybody moves in the same day. Did you hear about that one? Uh, no. Okay. Those, the <laughs> dollop guys. We can't suggest the dollop enough. It's such a good podcast. Yeah. I've also been listening to Delta Flyers and that yeah. new one, uh, Outpost, is really good. It's I like gotta check that drama. Outpost. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. I mean, we're already here. What? Can you explain a little bit of what Outpost is for the people? So. It, it's a, a fan-made audio drama of Star Trek. It's created, uh, I think it's after, between DS9 and, and uh, Enterprise, but it's about a different space station called Deep Space 3. And, you know, a, a guy gets reassigned to be number two on the ship or whatever. Uh, but it's a space station that's on the far reaches of the other side of the galaxy in the Alpha Quadrant, uh, near what's called the, uh, they call it the Pinch, the Pinocean Expanse or something like that. Okay. Yeah which is a pretty much like a Bermuda Triangle. It's a weird section of space that has tons of uh, anomalies to it. And they're on the border of Ferengi space. Uh, but it's all about the space station, and uh, it's ran, the, the guy that runs it is like really strict that we don't consume, we don't waste anything. You know, we do the, the what is it? Uh, he, has a, he has a saying that's like, no, uh, no more, no less is what it is. So we yeah. use exactly what we need to. We don't, we don't stock spare parts. Something breaks. We order the part or we find the part and when it comes in, we install it. So, so much of their stuff has been, uh, you know, band-aided yeah, together. Like jerry-rigged together. Jerry-rigged. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a really well done story. And I've, it started, I think, in 2009 and they do an episode a month and like hour long episodes or so. Um, but it's just a really, they, they do really good with the audio. Yeah. Fully um, engineered. Sound right? effect. Yeah. Fully engineered. It sounds like you're watching an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. So it's, it feels like there's a whole nother Star Trek show that I just never, never heard of, never seen. Um, uh, that's just a audio version. So I got really check I'm, it. Out. I'm downloading that. So that is Alpost guys. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we'll always endorse more Star Trek. That's always a good idea. It's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, any last thoughts on, on the battle Royale? Any, any kind of, cause I, we, we kind of lost track on that. <laughs> I know we, we got way sidetracked. Um, um, do you think no, that business no. model is any good doing the whole like season pass, making the game free and doing the season pass? Do you think that's a good for the future of the industry? I don't know. I, I mean, again, I don't really get into the battle royale, so I don't get the benefit of doing that. I yeah. mean, what, what changes between the seasons? Well, I mean, each season, basically new skins for whatever comes out. And if you, mm. if you play for free, you unlock like five things that are okay. But if you pay for the season pass, which is like 20 bucks for uh, six months, then you unlock all the cool stuff. And my big complaint with that is it's like, okay, well, the development time goes into all the cool stuff, obviously, and Mm. it could be going into the game. I'd rather pay for the game 30 bucks and own the game. But the problem is that what what I'm hearing myself say it, I know what the problem is, is the season pass stretches the money out so they could 
have the developers working on the same game for way more years than normal. That's yeah. why Sea of Thieves had to go to Season Pass recently because it's mm -hmm. like it helps fund Sea of Thieves, and and that's one of the few companies where like, look, they've done so much good work. I'm okay with giving them money. Rare, you know. So yeah. it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's working right now. If it, if it wasn't working, they would they would abandon it. So oh yeah, just keep going with what's working. It that's a great transition because next we're gonna be talking about uh, the Epic versus Apple trial. It just kind of started. The actual trial part of it finally started. We've learned so many crazy things, especially from Epic. Uh, these guys have so much stupid money, it's ridiculous. And it's all because of the season passes on Fortnite. Like that is that is the entire company's like crutch. That's what's doing everything. So in two years from Fortnite, it's made nine billion with a B billion dollars in two years. The skins are great, but I mean <laughs> not, that's so much money. That's just crazy. They have all kinds of ce uh, celebrities ready to be to join Fortnite over the next couple of years. He's already booked. So we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson is joining Fortnite. Naruto, the voice for Naruto. LeBron James, the voice for Samus. Katniss from Hunger Games. So that's, uh, was that? Somebody Lawrence. I forget her name. Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Thank you. John McClane. That's, that's John McClane's <laughs> awesome. Snake from Metal Gear. Lady Gaga. So many more. There's like, uh, there all kinds wow. of I mean, to get The Rock into your video yeah. game, mm -hmm. you're handing him cash. There's no other way. So I don't get what are they doing different that makes them so explosive to like the younger group or or across the world I guess but what right. is it they're doing so different from like PUBG? Well, okay, first off, they they just look like a funner environment. I think that's one thing. Mm -hmm. The building aspect of the game to me is asinine, I, and I don't that that people do seem to gravitate towards that, but there's a lot of people doing that, and I, to me, it just doesn't make much sense. It doesn't work very well, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I notice though now that I'm playing this game with somebody who's nine years old. I'm seeing how they play the game. And to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like duos. I like the battle royale part, the survival part. He likes playing custom games where it's just stupid non -shit, non -point, or nonsense where it's just like you and me in a really weird made up world that somebody made terribly. And we just try to kill each other. And I'm like, man, this this feels like a real waste of my time. And to be honest, with you, I'm not getting any rewards for this. I'm just, you know, uh, yeah. it kind of reminds me of like when you, me and Miguel would play you know, Turok 2, and mm. we'd spend hours shooting that laser gun that would bounce off the walls at each other. Yeah. I could kind of see something there, but it just seems so asinine to me, you know? It's like, like in Grand Theft Auto when you get bored and you just try to run from the cops kind of thing. Like, it's just, it's pointless, but it's just something to do. Yeah, but they've made $9 billion in two years off that. <laughs> That's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't uh, it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Also learned, we've talked about this before, so we're not going to go into it too much, but the Epic Games Store is completely not profitable. They are losing money on the Epic Games Store. They're using the Fortnite money to keep the Epic Games Store strong so that they, they believe that in 2023, they'll make their money back from it. Um, Epic had to, uh, had to apologize to Ubisoft for not having a very good credit card fraud detection system in place. So the Division 2, we were just talking about the Division. The Division 2, 70% of the purchases on the Epic Games Store were done with stolen credit cards. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's they almost encouraged it at that point. They must <laughs> right. have like that is insane. Seventy percent. Oh my god. Um, Xbox was asked by by Fortnite to open up their free to play option. They just released it a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They were asked to do that right before the Apple trial because they were trying to embarrass Apple into saying like, "Well, look, if Xbox, if Microsoft can make this free, and your guys is you know because Apple and Microsoft are longtime competitors." Um, if, if Microsoft can do it, why can't you guys do it? So that's 
basically they're swinging money around to just try to embarrass another company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the tactics we've become familiar with with Epic. Uh, Fortnite says that they have to pay, again, these are all from the filings, they have to pay PlayStation for the ability to do crossplay. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive on PlayStation's end to get that out of Epic, because Epic doesn't seem yeah. to be playing nice with others. That's pretty impressive there. And then we found out that Walmart is working on their own cloud gaming system. Which, yeah, I don't why? get. Yeah, <laughs> since when? Why is Walmart getting into the gaming industry? Like what? <laughs> so yeah, is that just like a, you know, like a a hard drive, like a no a Roku kind of or what? I think it's so if you here here's here's what I'm guessing. You're mm-hmm. in the Walmart and your kid wants the latest Minecraft or whatever, and then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, boom, you buy Minecraft. Now you could you have it added to your account. And you can play Minecraft right off the bat on your phone or on your Xbox or on your PC. Like, it's okay. cloud gaming, but you would unlock yeah. it in store at, at Walmart. That's so weird. Like, so, yeah, yeah they want to make their own Steam or Epic store from in the Walmart store. Yeah. But you could, like, buy a gift for Timmy, and it's just a card that he can redeem the code when he logs in on his Walmart app on his computer or something like that. Right. Which they have that already. I mean, you could go buy Steam credit at Walmart right now. Why make yeah. your own? That's really weird. And then cloud yeah. gaming, you're like, are you guys making your own games? Because that is, I mean, Amazon's doing it. That's probably why they're doing it. But yeah, that is very that's, odd. That's they're trying to stay competitive, but I don't think they are at all experts in that kind of industry. So you're, I think you're far better off partnering with somebody who yeah. has a good grasp, not, not competing. Like Amazon, right, is competing with, you know, Steam and Epic and all these others. Just, just pick one of them and, and, strike a good deal and partner with them and present them in your stores and instead of trying to compete head on they just don't have a footing to work on yeah uh one of them that just came out today this morning so it's not on our notes here epic went to nintendo uh, microsoft and playstation and said here's two million dollars for just a few of your games to come out on epic as well as your system and none of them took it they're like no we'd rather sell xboxes and playstations but mm-hmm. i mean they're just like handing out cash any kind of exclusivity right now. Uh, I I mean, thank God Fortnite told them up because the second Fortnite stumbles, Epic is going to collapse. I mean, they they are it's like they're they're pouring jet fuel into this car, you know? It's just so much fuel that at some point you're going to throw a piston or something, you know? Right? It's crazy. I mean, they almost it, it seems I mean, it's it's counter counterintuitive, but Instead of investing in themselves, they should take all these profits and invest them elsewhere and see, you know, once the Fortnite bubble bursts and their company crashes, hey, that one's gone, but we have investments in all these other <laughs> new startups and, you know, one of them is going to be the next Fortnite. But yeah, I think they're just, they're trying to get too big and they need to, to just pull back and focus on, you know, one thing instead of trying to, to expand so much. I think they're trying to use the Uber idea. So um, the idea, which speaking of the dollop, they do a really great job on, on talking about Uber. You guys want a good episode. Um, they're trying to change the industry so much while they have the funds to do it that they can't be, they can't lose. So like what Uber's trying to do is they're trying to make Uber so standardized in your city that taxis go out of business. So then when taxis are out of business, they're the only game in town and then they could raise the prices yeah. to taxi prices, right? I think Fortnite, I think Epic, it's hard to not use the same name. I think Epic's trying to do the same thing. They're trying to change the industry so much that their launcher keeps the company alive. And 
that they're mm-hmm. they have uh exec- exclusivity titles with so many things that like hey if you want to play the next Halo you have to play it on Epic so they're gonna stay alive. They're mm-hmm. like I think that's how they're getting ready for the Fortnite bubble to pop is by locking down things that make them competitive in the future. It's just you guys are throwing everything at the wall right now and it's it seems so dangerous to me yeah and that's almost that's almost illegal dumping in the market is illegal which would be if uber came in and undercut taxis yeah for the same service and then taxis had to go out of business because they couldn't afford to compete right that's dumping if you dump into another market but then with the understanding that you can't afford to stay at that lower price and you have to increase it later on once the other people are out of business yeah. Uh, so that's totally illegal. If you're offering something different, and which is it has what a they're saying, bit of... they're saying, "Oh no, we yeah. offer we offer the app so that people can go drive their own cars." That's how they get around yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So that's that's still that's messed up that it's uh, <laughs> a hostile tactic like that to take out the other companies. But that's business, and that's how it always has been, I guess. Um, but yeah, within uh, Epic. Epic. Yeah. I don't know. That's just. That's crazy. Everything they do just feels so shady. Like it's just yeah, it's yeah. rough. Um, but yeah, if you ever listen to that Uber episode of the Dollop, oof, that's a really mm-hmm. really good one. Probably top ten. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move into our next thing. Diablo Immortal, guys. We finally have light at the end of the tunnel. It's coming out at the end of this year. It was announced at the 2018 BlizzCon. I was there. I was amongst the booers. That was booing them on stage. Do you remember uh, that announcement? The booze they were getting at BlizzCon. I don't. Uh, I remember. Well, I remember you guys talking about it. Yeah, um, but I don't remember when it happened. You know how hard it is to get booed at BlizzCon because, like, you're Blizzard so pumped up at a convention where everybody's high on the pie, and they yeah. spent two hundred bucks to walk through those doors, and <laughs> they're booing you. That's so. I've mm-hmm. only seen it one other time, and that's when, <laughs> when that asshole Bobby Cotter came out to announce something about Call of Duty, and we're like. No, 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 bitch. This is not Call of Duty. This is World of Warcraft. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got booed because everybody was waiting for Diablo 4, and they announced, oh, we're making a, 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 a mobile game with Diablo. Yeah, and right. they're like, what are you guys doing? Go make Diablo 4. That's what we want. Uh, Stop so they, wasting our time over here. <laughs> oh, and then during the Q&A, when they were asking, like, will we get Diablo Immortal at least on the PC so we can play this thing proper? And the mm-hmm. guys said the worst thing possible, like, what, you guys don't own cell phones or nothing? Booed yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It was like, no, you don't need a PC. Throw that thing away. Oh, my. Like, come on now. Yeah. So on May 4th, they had their first quarter uh, 2021 results showing the company's doing well and everything's solid. Um, they expect that the Diablo Immortal will be later this year, in quotes, um, you know, and it was announced uh, in 2018. So it's been a bit for them to do this. They're working with NetEase to make this. Uh, NetEase does um, a lot of mobile games. So that made sense. They were doing that. Um, we had a chance to actually try Diablo Immortal several times over the last couple of years, and it runs great. I will say, it is actually a solid game. I know I'm going to play it. I know it's going to have a lot of gotcha stuff, which is really getting popular now with the mobile games. I got a buddy that I've, I've mentioned it before, where he spent $400 a week on a mobile game. A week. Jesus Christ. And his argument, and, and I'm talking to Erwin too about it, and his argument is that like, yeah, but I'm like the top three in the world. And I'm like, $400 a week? <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. Who cares? Pay me $400 a week. I'll make you a custom trophy. And he doesn't play the game anymore. I'm like, bitch, you better own that game forever right. at that price. That's insane. Yeah. Your name should be like on a plaque in, in that game world somewhere. So, Jonathan, have you played any games that use that gotcha like business model where it's like constantly like, 
do you want to buy a new tune for X amount of dollars? And do you want to do like they're always popping up the pop up ad and stuff? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I know most of the games that I play have, you know, optional stuff you can buy, but nothing where it's where you're really pressured to you know, that you need to. Yeah. Can you think of are there other ones that you think of that have that where you oh where you're pressured a lot to buy it? There's a lot and I actually tried one recently. Um well not recently. They were actually so I want to say that they I I tried them for research on some advertisement stuff, not necessarily for us. Uh it uh-huh. was. But the Rage of Shadow Legends. Uh it's it's an app and it's a really solid game, but man, I didn't even want to deal with them because while you're playing that game, I mean it has to be like three times every five minutes. You're closing down pop ups. Really? Closing oh, down pop-ups. God. Yeah. That's a virus. It That's feels disgusting. like a virus. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, use code Geek Freaks for an extra character, guys. That was the plan. <laughs> but <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, yeah. It, it's, there's some people who dedicate all of their gaming to this. I, matter of fact, I could almost guarantee you right now, my buddy that spent the $400, what he does is he'll play World of Warcraft as well. But in between that, he plays an emulator on his computer so that he could play these games on his PC. And he just shovels cash into the furnace. That's insane. Yeah. So, so that brings up this other question I have. Are mobile gaming developers trying to take over the casino market? There is a big is, question about that. Yeah, because I it know, is a lot of gambling. I know there's mobile casino games. Yeah. Those are huge. And there are people just dump tons of money in it. And just it makes me so sick. When you go to a casino, I've never seen a nasty, dingy, ran down ugly looking casino they always have gold on the walls yeah. you i mean you're you're sitting on a freaking platinum toilet like this yeah. stuff is so <laughs> expensive and you think oh i'm a king i deserve such a beautiful place because i brought a lot of money no these guys have all this money they got yeah. diamond chandeliers because you're giving them money freely yeah. you're yeah. dumping it into their pockets now, of course they're gonna have a diamond chandelier like you're you're just taking your paycheck and shoveling it at them. What do they do with it? They're trying to find ways to burn this money. Yeah. You're giving it to them so freely. So this isn't any of your stuff. They're showing off to you how much they can make with your money. It's ridiculous. So yeah. don't go to casinos. Don't gamble. Don't waste your money that way. Put it in your savings account. Do something fun with it. Go on a on a you know vacation, splurge, buy a video game or something. But casinos are just a hundred percent waste of money. Well, uh, counter to that john i don't lose a casino so i'm gonna continue going. <laughs> okay, okay. I, don't, I don't know how you guys can afford the goals on the wall because i'm taking your money right now that's how I, that's what i <laughs> do when i walk in uh yeah but these freemium games i i think i think they do have a problem where they need to look into how close they did gambling they use a lot of the mm-hmm. same tactics i mean there's all kinds of math on like well if the button is this size when it's in this place where it's real easy to hit or it's like this color is more enticing when you yeah, have to put that much flashing. science into it you guys are, are are leaning in on gambling issues, and that's not cool. Yeah. Um, you know? I, they're, they're preying on addiction. Exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, have you played a Diablo game in the past? No, I don't think so. Really good storyline, man. I think you would like it a lot, too. Yeah. It's that top-down dungeon crawler kind of thing. Um, and the story, of course, is a battle between heaven and hell and, and how humanity is stuck in between. Uh, it's really, really good. And there are times where you're like, it does a really good job where you're like you're in a sandy area, then you're in like a farm area, and then you're you're in heaven and you're trying to fight back the forces of hell attacking. And it's just like, man, it's just the way it changes the environments you're in are, are so cool. And each character's got so many unique abilities and it's worth giving it a shot. I mean, I think I think Diablo 3 is free now. Um, so totally worth checking out. All right, this is gonna be a quick one here, but Loki is now releasing on June 9th. This was on the eleventh. Uh they're moving their Friday releases to to, to Wednesday releases. 
I, I don't know why they're doing this. My prediction is that maybe Bad Bunch or Bad Batch, which is the Star Wars that's just started releasing, might interfere with it. Um, Hiddleston, during the video where he was announcing this, he's really pushing the fact that Loki should be considered a hero now. He's a misunderstood hero. Uh, do you think Loki can... Now, remember, this is the Loki that was from the first Avengers movie. This is not the Loki that died to Thanos. Yeah. Do you think we could see re another redemption arc for Loki in the series? I think, is that the point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he's trying to plant that seed now, they're going to make a whole show that revolves around him, and it's not likely they're going to make a show that revolves around a villain and encourages you to hate him. They'll probably, you know, write him as a villain and encourage you to fall in love with him and want to see him become good or, or redeem himself, uh, and then we get to see that transition. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah maybe a like a Breaking Bad kind of thing too, where you're rooting for the bad guy almost. Yeah, he's doing bad for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could see that. I don't know if Disney can handle that kind of character. I, I'm I'm anxious to see how Disney does with this because, I mean, he's he's always been he's always been on that that line. He's never really been you know evil for evil's sake. He's always I'm doing bad because I'm I'm misplaced or I was the redheaded stepchild or. You know, I don't belong here and I need to make my own way kind of thing. So I, I don't think it'd be hard for them to write it in in for him. But it's how how dark does Disney really want to go with his perspective and how deep of a character? And is it still going to fit into the rest of the Marvel universe? Or yeah. Is it going to be a little off standing? So I don't know. We'll see. One thing that helps is he's going to be fighting other Lokis the entire time. So we'll have the evil Loki in the room, too. So it'll make him good by comparison very easily. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that'll be cool, too. To see him versus bad Lokis. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to be doing sloops on each of those episodes when they come out. And that'll be, yeah, June 9th. So we'll start doing the sloops on those two. All right. We have new photos from the, the uh, Game of Thrones spinoff called House of Dragon. Uh, we have five new characters confirmed with these photos. They all look pretty amazing. You can definitely see that they're like, man, that costume design. All right. We're back to Game of Thrones budget. It's good to see that. Um, this will take place during the Dance of Dragons, also known as the Targaryen Civil War. Uh, let's go over the five characters that we have confirmed in these photos. So we have Prince Reyna, Reyna, there you go, Targaryen. She's the eldest daughter of King Viserys I. This all takes place a couple hundred years before the events of Game of Thrones, by the way. She was raised to rule Westeros, but her father uh, had a son from a second marriage, and she was pushed aside. So you have this daughter that was, like, raised to be a great ruler. And uh, now she's got pushed aside, and she's just kind of like, mm, no, I want that throne. Do you think they're going to lean in on kind of the Daenerys thing where it's the flip of the coin? Are they a good ruler or an evil conqueror? Uh, I don't. I hope they don't because they played that that card and it was good. But let's I mean, maybe we'll have to see where that came from. I guess yeah. we'd probably I'm sure they'll show some of it. Um, but I don't want that to be like the whole focus is. Is she going to be good or is she going to be bad? It should be more of a, you know, I, I like to see the perspective of a ruler. Uh, you have to do the job to get the job kind of thing. You have to be a good leader of the people and be able to defend your people in battle and things like that to be the king. It's not just a blood right. It's a blood right because the ancestor you have earned it. So yeah. now every once in a while, you have to prove it and earn it again. So if she can prove that she's a better ruler than her brother, then you know she can take the throne. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, okay, so then next we have Prince Daemon uh, Targaryen is uh, pictured with her. Damon is Reyna's husband and uncle. Uh, he was a skilled warrior and wielded the infamous Dark Sister Valerian Blade, which the Dark Sister Blade 
is badass and it's actually part of the three conquerors so the the uh, i think his name is Eamon. Eamon and his two sisters that came over and actually took over westeros one of the sisters had the dark sister blade the eldest sister the, like the war tactician so it's this really cool blade that's passed down through the targaryens and i'm really happy to bring that sword back this guy kind of feels like a mix of jamie and john from the show what do you think that sounds about right yeah I'm wondering, do you think they're going to really push merchandise on this? Now that now you're talking about a cool new sword they're going to have, I'm like, I don't remember there being a lot of stuff you could buy that was uh, the old Game of Thrones series merchandise. Yeah. I mean, maybe little egg displays and stuff like that, but I'm hoping they actually come out with uh, replica, you know, prop swords that you can buy and put on display in your house. That'd be really cool. I've seen Long, Long, Long Claw, which is Jon John Snow that has the uh, wolf on it. I've seen yeah, that yeah. replica sword. I will I, as soon as a dark sister comes out, I'm getting it because right. from the books, it's kind of this sword that's just like so amazing through history. Um, I would love to have that. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. All right, we have Odo Hightower, who is also seen with uh, Alicent. So Odo is he's hand of the king. He's been hand of the king for three kings in a row. Uh, he's also the father to Alicent Hightower. Alicent is the is the daughter of Odo and the second wife to King Viserys. So she's the one that ha- gives birth to the new king, who's this mm-hmm. kid. So here she kind of has that Cersei feel, you know. She's like really protective of her kids. She wants her kids to be in power. She's not a Targaryen herself, but her son, of course, is Targaryen born. So mm-hmm. there's also that whole thing too, where it's like you ain't got no say in what happens here, you know. I thought the Targaryens. Uh, oh, that's true. They, I was I was trying to say they keep the bloodline pure or whatever, only breed with Targaryens, but they mix with um, with uh, Starks, right? Well, yeah, but but Hightower, no, this is the second marriage is the key. Yeah. Yeah, but aren't they not supposed to breed with people outside of a certain group? Generally, not outside of their family. And then they have bred with Targaryens and stuff early, early on. Um, I mean, who are we kidding? They breed with everybody, right? But this yeah. is being the second marriage is why it's she's still elevated to where she's at. The first marriage was with, I think, his sister. So that mm-hmm. was still, quote unquote, legit <laughs> for Targaryen <laughs> lifestyle. Um these the family trees there's a lot of loop there's more loops in the family trees that need to be in a family tree man those those branches bend back pretty hard more more like grapevines than trees <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so we're yeah we have a, a woman here who's going to be uh pretty aggressive and stuff like that my favorite character that was revealed is going to be sea snake uh he's kind of your gray joy mixed with davos kind of character right mm-hmm. so he's born uh uh corlys Veleron. Uh, he's from House Verlon. He's the Lord of Tides, which basically means he's in charge of the Navy. Um, when the Civil War broke out, he went to go help his stepdaughter. So he marries the first wife from the king after she's mm-hmm. gone. And uh, he becomes like the stepfather to Rhaenyra Targaryen. So she's he's kind of like the new... And so he's just like the stepdad who has a huge Navy. And he's going to be like, mm-hmm. I got you, babe. I'm going to bring in the Navy. And so we're going to have these really cool ship battles. And they were always awesome in Game of Thrones. When you watch like the filming of them too, like they really brought in ships, like these ship size sets. We're expected to get a lot more of these. Uh, we're also going to get a ton of dragons, guys, because this is not like, oh, dragons have been gone. Here comes three new ones. No, everybody with the name Targaryen has a dragon <laughs> and they all have their own names. And this is when they're still pretty hefty. Uh, they're not, they're not Drogo size. I don't believe. I believe they're closer to the other two the series and stuff. But they're they should be hefty. Um, we know there are some definitely in the books. There are definitely like moments where there's like dragon to dragon fights. The classic one is at Harrenhal, 
where like one person jumps from another dragon to the other guy's dragon and stabs him in the eye and like all kinds of cool stuff and like cuts loose his oh man cuts loose him cuts him loose from the saddle and so then he's like flying in the air and stuff um the three-eyed raven comes from this time because you guys remember the three-eyed raven that brand taught was taught from uh he is from these times he's actually a warrior of these times so we should see him but yeah, do you think this is going to be as popular as Game of Thrones, John? Uh, I really, really hope so. I don't, I don't think it's going to have the same excitement behind it, though. Um, as much as, you know, it kind of, maybe it seems like it would because it has the Game of Thrones name and that was so huge and there's a lot of fans that are ready for it. Game of Thrones was unique. When it first came out, there was so much mystery and it was just the talk of the town. And, you know, we kind of all went through that excitement and got to see the end conclusion of the story. And now I just don't, I don't feel like it's going to be the same hype behind it. I hope so. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's maybe if there's some certain key elements or a certain mystery they propose in the beginning of the story, maybe that would really get people hooked in. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they can bottle that magic again. I, so I haven't read, um, cause there's a new book that kind of came out a couple of years ago that's just about Targaryen history. It's supposed to dive into this more because, of course, everything we know from this before that book was done through the regular Game of Thrones story. They do all kinds of side stories. So that's where you learn about like the turning at Heron Hall and stuff. So mm-hmm. I want to read that to get all the little bit of details I can on these characters. Uh, it's, of course, heavier than a brick, but um, I don't know of any mysteries. I think it's pretty simple that there's mm-hmm. like, you know, two warring sides. I what's unfortunate is we know how it ends so we know who dies and how they die already you mm-hmm. know and, and I wonder how that'll affect the show because even even with Game of Thrones you had the book readers that were sitting there like well we read up to where Jon Snow is being left dead in the snow we don't know what happens after that we could assume he's going to be brought back so I don't know we'll have to see uh, of course we'll have to be doing sloops on this too we're gonna I mean there's yeah. no oh, no yeah, doubt no in hell doubt. <laughs> um is there anything you want to see out of Game of Thrones out of this versus Game of Thrones that was like wasn't shown in Game of Thrones? That's kind of hard because Game of Thrones had everything. Yeah, like it had such a good story. It had a lot of great, uh, you know, practical scenes with regular sword fighting and and realistic stuff. And it had awesome sci-fi, the you know magical aspects of it, yeah, dragons nice. obviously and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it had great character development, which is usually you know kind of what drives the whole story. So. I I just hope they don't lose any of that. I, I can't think of any elements they could add. If there is, I'd, I have no idea. But uh, as long as they don't, I, I liked I liked the magic stuff they had in it with the yeah. you know White Walkers and Bran's abilities and stuff like that. So I could see with this kind of going back to a different time, uh, at, the story seems like it wouldn't have a whole lot of room for that kind of stuff. But I'm hoping they do keep it in there and, and expand on that. Maybe. A little more background about the original men and stuff like that, but uh, it's not going far enough back for that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it would still be lore their their history from that time, uh, but or or the children of the was the children of the forest mm-hmm. kind of give give a little bit more of that build that backstory so you can later do a a prequel that goes that far back maybe, but yeah, uh, yeah, I just hope they they keep all that and don't don't cheapen it like a regular sequel movie would be where you you know totally recast and cut the budget in half and stuff like that and just play off the name because you're just gonna ruin the franchise if you do that yeah we we won't have any white walkers in this so we have that to 
to think about. Um, mm. And the thing I'm concerned about is is one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones is like in the first few seasons were the conversations between two people. And mm. as the show went on and the battles started becoming more intense and bigger budgeted, that's what they were starting to advertise. They were like, oh man, the battle in this next one is going to take 20 minutes. And that's like, yeah, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I miss those scenes. Like, like the great example is the Battle of Winterfell was amazing. I mean, it was so great. But the part that stuck with me the most is that part when Brienne is knighted beforehand. Like mm-hmm. that, like just the conversations were so yeah. good in Game of Thrones. And this one, they're already pitching it like there's gonna be dragons. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, but I mean, are there gonna be are there gonna be really good political intrigue going on? That's that's the part of yeah. Game of Thrones I, I like a lot. Yeah, I want to be watching it to where if the if somebody comes in and makes too much noise or whatever, I can't hear a word that was said. I have to stop and go back and yes. hear that. Like you have a scene with with Ned and and Robert down in the the cemetery, whatever yeah. you call it. They're, they're, like the catacombs. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of scene where, like you're saying, where they're talking and it's just every little word might unlock a huge yeah. story arc that you don't know about. So you're like, oh, crap, I got to hear, you know, who are they talking about or what did they yeah. say about her or something like that. And you're whispering like, that's Liana Stark. That might be John's mom, you know, like <laughs> exactly. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, you're right, though. I, I hope they, they keep in that deep, deep story and not just explosions for the sake of explosions. And if it is explosions, I'm still going to like it, but yeah. <laughs> not as much. <laughs> All right, uh, Jonathan, why don't you let us know what kind of conventions can we get going to now that everybody's getting the vaccines, getting out there? So, yeah, everybody, go get vaccinated. We want you to be able to go join us at conventions. Yep. We're totally, totally on board with that. Um, we both have have had almost no symptoms or side effects, just a little sore arm. Yep. Um, so, I've been looking. There's not a lot coming very soon. Um, I just looked into May and June uh, and July. Uh, so in May, we have two that are going to still be online. Uh, the Fanfare uh, NYC in New York. Um, that's May 21st through 23rd. Uh, but yeah, they, they're not doing it in person. It's still all online. But, mm. you know, check it out. FanfareNYC.com. They don't have their website posted yet that the event will be through. But you go to this website to get information on it and uh, check out who's going to be there. And uh, GameX is from... Uh, Strategicon, I can't say that right. Strategicon.net. Yeah. Um, that one, <laughs> that sounds dumb. Um, that one is also just online. That's going to be the following weekend, May 28th, the 31st. Um, which I think, I think, I'm pretty sure that one's down in LA. Okay. Um, but, but it's, yeah, it's, it's online as well. It's a virtual one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I was kind of hoping, I'm hoping there's one pretty soon we can drive to. I'm itching, uh, man. Right. But what's coming that is in person, if you have the time and energy, you want to go down to Houston, Texas, go to Comic Palooza. Uh, it's going to be July 17th and 18th. Uh, and they got anime, comics, uh, film, TV, literature, you know, content. Uh, yeah. A bunch of people are going. Uh, it's going to be at the George R. Brown Convention Center. Okay. Uh, so July 17th, 18th, if you guys want to go check it out. Cool. Do we have anybody, any guests that we know are confirmed for that yet? There's a lot. I don't. Okay. I didn't recognize any. There was no Jonathan Frakes or any yeah. anybody that usually I usually sure, anime but, voiceover people. Then it's yeah, like a and like that. and a lot of the comic book uh, artists yeah. were lined up for that. So hopefully somebody that you guys would recognize. I off the top of my head didn't couldn't tell who they were, but uh, but yeah, go to their website. I think uh, I didn't write it down. 
<laughs> yeah. But it might be comicpalooza.com. I don't know. Google it. I'm, it. I'm itching for these conventions to come back, man. It, it's, you know, we're getting now to where everything's getting a little bit safer. So mm-hmm. I'm on board. Good. We have yeah. E3 just announced like Square Enix. More people coming to E3. Again, we're going to do multiple days event for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be good stuff. Also, if there's a, a convention that's normally in your town or something like that, mm-hmm. go on their website, check it out, see if they're if they're doing it in person again. But call because I know a lot of websites aren't updating what's going on because they're not sure when the county is going to be available or not. So if you right. call and just talk to somebody, say, hey, are you guys doing in person? Can I show up and just do pictures or whatever? Um, you know, there's, there's a good chance that they're waiting uh, cautiously to update the website until they get closer. Yeah. Um, but it might be available. So check it out. Yep. Check it out, guys. Um, all right, guys. So uh, we want to appreciate we. I want to say thank you to our patrons. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers, Scott, Kevin, Marco, Fly Pirate, and Sonny. Thank you guys very much for your patronage. You guys are amazing. Um, for streams, we're going to be streaming extra days uh, than normal because we have the beta access to the battle, uh, Burning Crusade. Uh, that is going to be coming out June 1st. We have confirmation that's coming out on June 1st. So we just got beta access. Thank you, Wowhead, for giving us beta access to that. Um, and then we'll be doing that. But that is it for this week, guys. We appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.